0: The Waco History Podcast is sponsored by Brotherwell Brewery on Historic Bridge Street in Waco.
1: Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco, I'm safe when I reach San Antonio.
2: Well, welcome back to the Waco History Podcast. Uh, it is a special episode for me because my mentor uh, is in the room. Everything I am uh, is divided on the timeline of my life is pre Jim Sorrell and post Jim Sorrell, and so I've got uh, Dr. Jim Sorrell, longtime member of uh, the history department at Baylor University, recently retired, enjoying life. And so uh, we talked about him coming on the show. He's researched, he's a native Waco, and he's researched a lot of elements related to Waco's past. But in a passing conversation once, we talked about him reading what is one of the longest novels in the English language written by Madison Cooper. And so I'm going to leave it to Dr. Sorrell to tell us what is Saronia, Texas?
0: Saronia, Texas. Uh, Saronia, Texas is uh, a long, long novel, um, reputedly um, based on the city of Waco, although in the author's note, Madison Cooper rejects that. Um, It is the story of uh, a lot of different people. Uh, You need a, a program. Uh, and you really need to be writing this down as you're reading to get everybody's names and knowing what the relationships are but uh, I think in a nutshell, it's the story uh I describe as a coming of age story uh for a young man named Tam Lipscomb uh Tam Lipscomb is not one of th- uh, is not from one of the main families the well to do families in town, but he aspires to to be that, and he particularly aspires to marry the one of the uh, daughters of one of the wealthy families. Um, but it's also a story uh, about community, um, set in the period roughly from 1900 to 1920. Uh, mo- uh, most of the characters, I think, all of the characters who appear were born before 1900, but the. Uh, the two volumes cover that that period. They get to 1921 or 1922, mm-hmm. and it. Uh, I don't know how much how far you want me to go with this, but but it was published in 1952. It won the Houghton Mifflin uh, Literary Fellowship Prize for the from the publisher. Uh, there were about a dozen books that had won that award, so it was it was. Uh, respected certainly by the publishers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure it got the readership, uh, yeah, (laughs) that Madison Cooper might have expected, but you know, it, uh, over 1700 pages, that's maybe explicable. I remember my students always cringed if something was over 200 pages. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, I, I took I took this book on because it it was on the shelves in my family home, from the time that I can remember. Mm-hmm. You know, I was born two years before the book was published, mm-hmm. and uh, so I always saw this. and And I'd ask my parents when I, you know, got to the point where I was inquisitive enough uh, to ask about it, uh, a a little bit to tell me, you know, what this was about, and and they basically said what everybody says: it's it's a book based on waco life in waco and that's about where it stood and mm-hmm. and when my my uh, uh, dad passed away in in 2010 i inherited a good part of his library including uh this two volume set of of uh Ceronia. Mm-hmm. in the midst of covid <laughs> it took a worldwide and, pandemic and in the and in the midst of uh, Of my retirement, uh, I'm gradually working through all of the books uh, in my library and others that I haven't read, which is substantial. Much of my office library is sitting in boxes in my garage. And I'm hoping someday to you know, to weed through uh, most of that. But um, I noticed one day, uh, going through my dad's stuff, you know, hopefully for a final time, here's Saronia um, I said, I'm going to read this. And so I picked it up and I, and I don't remember when I first mentioned this to you. I think it was probably sometime in January or or February that I had started it. Yeah. Well, you know, I finished it about a week and a half ago. Uh, now (laughs) I I read at night. So that means whether it's interesting or not, uh, I'm gonna get five pages in, and then the book's gonna hit me in the face so <laughs> so but and then there were you know moments where I would spend thirty minutes an hour on it uh-huh. uh, uh but i but I read the book um parts of it were incredibly enjoyable uh i thought uh or I think in retrospect, uh it could have been narrowed down, edited to about four hundred pages, and mm-hmm. it would have been it would have made a better novel uh but madison cooper had a story to tell um i can't imagine it's not about people he knew yeah i can't imagine that some of it's not about himself yeah uh just based on the, the little i know and and so well patricia bernstein
2: what says this in her book that you know he, he didn't live anywhere else mm-hmm. so i mean what, what else could it be about right but Waco, and we'll talk about the ties. It, 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 you know, supposedly the party game in Waco in the 1950s was matching up, trying to match up people from Saronia with real live Wacoans. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 it was a popular thing to do. Yeah.
0: Well, we can get into more of the details of of, of of that, but but it's it's taking place at a time period. I mean, this is the this is the Progressive Era. Mm-hmm. In the United States, yeah, I was
2: hoping as a historian if you would if you'd contextualize that for us right. a little bit, yeah.
0: Well, progressivism is a re- a reform era. It's a re- it was a reform movement. Uh, most people would say uh, there were a lot of changes taking place as as the United States transitioned from a uh, rural, agricultural, primarily agricultural, nation to more of an urban industrial nation. Uh, 1920 is the first time, I think, in the national census where a majority of Americans are living in places of over 2,500 people, which Mm -hmm. kind of constituted a non-rural area. Um, And so that that transition's very powerful for a lot of folks, uh, particularly for people who had earned their livelihood in the soil. Uh, In the South. The transition from uh, kind of plantation agriculture prior to the Civil War and even a little bit after uh, th- that comes into play in, in this novel. Virtually all of the the patriarchs of the families fought in the Civil War on the side of the Confederacy. Um, but by the time you get to the twentieth century, uh, this you know it's a new era. Um, there is an effort to uh, Place some restrictions on the rapid growth of corporations that some would argue certainly the progressives argued had uh, become overly powerful uh, and resistant to the the best interests of, of the people in mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we see a lot of this. Uh, you know, the, this march of progress is detailed in some various ways as people are moving from farming to uh, mercantile establishments um, a lot of the old families who owed their wealth to the plantation really um, are losing power mm-hmm. and so the, the 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 main families that are detailed in this book don't have the authority that they once had they have they have reputations that they try to hold on to um, they see themselves as natural leaders, but they don't. They don't control the politics of the city, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. They they uh, you know, they're living out their lives, mm-hmm. and in its stead is coming this entrepreneurial class of uh, middle class business people. The Lipscomb family is is one of those families. Uh, uh, Marshall Lipscomb owns a department store. And uh, by the end of the novel, his son Tam Lipscomb has has taken over that establishment, and and he has he has become a, a major um, member of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if we needed to connect Tam
2: Lipscomb to a Wacoan, is it probably Madison Cooper? I mean,
0: it could be, but. You know, I I have another option for Madison okay. Cooper, okay. really. Yeah. Uh, again, amongst the many, many characters.
2: Um, well, before you tell me that, why don't you tell us who Madison Cooper was? Madison
0: yeah. Cooper, and, and, and as a caveat, you know, I, I'm not a uh, a specialist in the history of Waco. I mean, I, I grew up You've here. done an independent study have, in the history of Waco <laughs> for many years. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's a participant observer, uh, but... Um, uh, you know, there are there are a lot of people, and many of your listeners will know a lot more about Waco's <laughs> history than I do, but Madison Cooper was uh, came from a prominent family. Uh, his father was a, a local grocer, I think, owned, mm-hmm. the, I guess, a fairly well-established grocery business, yeah. uh, which is the business he went into. Um, he uh, participated in the First World War. Um came out as an officer I think a lieutenant mm-hmm. or a lieutenant colonel possibly um, and uh, you know the the company thrived for many years uh, he, they sold out uh, to another family uh, later on I, I can't tell you exactly when and I think he basically set up as kind of a reclusive writer I, I think there were a lot of a, Wacones, who didn't even know that he was what he was doing in, in that big house, mm-hmm. uh, uh, up yeah, in the, the home of the, the Cooper end. Foundation. That's right. Uh, That's so right.
2: Corner of Austin and Right eight, across 18th, from the yeah. library, mm-hmm. uh, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, he was a bachelor, uh, to my knowledge. You know, I don't know. Maybe never considered marrying. I don't know. Uh, you can read into that what what you will. Uh, there's some characters in the novel i think that are reflective of his mm-hmm. his life and uh in the way he lived it um, and then he died in 1956 i guess mm-hmm. so 4 years after after he had st- he had written another novel that was part of going to be part of a trilogy yeah. i think that was not well received mm-hmm. uh, and and there was a you know there was a lot of criti- critique of Saronia
2: mm-hmm. as well yeah I've compiled some of those here we okay. and and they're colorful critiques, yeah, but I, I know you can still go in the Cooper Foundation house and see. I don't know if you've ever seen his mm-hmm. studio, his writing studio. yeah, video. I've been in that
0: house once, and yeah. I think they took us there. yeah, they've kept it they've kept it pretty much as it is mm-hmm.
2: um, and of course, we'll say the Cooper Foundation, of course, has been. Very generous to Waco he, he uh, was an
0: incredible philanthropist uh, again mm-hmm. i'm not sure people knew what money he had or didn't have mm-hmm. until probably his death and and the will was written i don't know that he was giving substantial portions of his estate away before he died
2: mm-hmm. but he didn't make his money off Saronia, probably
0: not a, <laughs> no that's that's that would be accurate <laughs> unless they sold it by the pound. <laughs>
2: Well, um, you know, there's several ways we can kind of approach this. I think you did a good job historically kind of placing it what era it's written within. One of the things that I know you would be sensitive to because you've taught um, African-American history is kind of race relations. Uh, Can you talk just a little bit about, I I know that might be one of the challenges for the modern reader in, in kind of moving through it. Uh, because of dated kind of language that's used. But can you talk a lot about a little bit about, let's think of it as a historical source, what does it kind of show us about race relations in that period? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I was struck because I didn't know what going in mm-hmm. uh, that this is what, what I would find. But there is a very careful delineation not only of the white community in Saronia, but also the African-American community. Um, now, to be perfectly candid, most of the black characters in this novel are servants of, of one form or another. They are servants in the homes of the so-called Hill families. There are these three families, actually four, uh, but but three main families that live on they they call them hills by their family names. So there's Thaxton Hill and Starrow Hill and um Hayden Hill. That's how the book is divided, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 The, there are four parts to the book, and each each one is one of these hill families. Uh and the fourth book is Lipscomb Hill, which emerges over the course uh, of the novel. And uh a lot, of, a lot of the story is told by the African-American characters through this kind of grapevine. You know Things are revealed about various incidents, about various individuals, about you, know, characterizations of people, uh, through the African-American characters, which I find, you know, a very positive thing. It is written in a, a stereotypical dialect. Um, not just Southern, but black Southern mm-hmm. dialect that can be off putting. Um and uh of course widespread usage of of uh, uh negative yeah uh <laughs> of, of characterizations of black people. Mm-hmm. Uh you know I mean it's just all the way through. You know the 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 nicest uh the nicest phrase used to describe African American characters in this book are "colored people," mm-hmm. but it goes it goes down in, in much more prevalently or her other options. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you have to to work around that. I think you also have to work around the, the uh, Cooper style. He leaves out articles, uh, and I don't. It's <laughs> just to save. I don't space. know. I you know I don't know how many pages it saved but you're reading long and 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 it it's something very particular and and maybe it appears in other novels like this and maybe it was a style others used. I I hadn't run across it. So I'm I'm stopping in the middle of sentences quite often to say, "All right, did I miss something here?" And it it is full of dialogue. Mm. Um and it's not always clear who's speaking. Mm. So th- these are kind of technical things mm-hmm. uh, that that lend themselves uh, to the the kind of flavor of the novel, the way it's expressed. There's a tremendous amount of humor in it, uh, kind of catty, mm-hmm. sardonic mm-hmm. <laughs> humor. The descriptions of of some of the matrons of the of the the large wealthy families, or families that had once had wealth, are uh, are priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you know, as I'm envisioning these characters, particularly in the African American community, virtually all of them are working class. Uh, they are of a servile class. So there's this this. There may have been a transition from rural to urban, but there's still, from slavery to freedom is mm. is a very short span. yeah. Um, but it is a critical component of the novel because there is, again, to my surprise, not knowing anything about the novel, a tremendous amount of discussion of interracial relations. Kind of behind the scenes, uh, in which the male members of the the main families have all participated, and in fact, it's almost a, you know, African American women are used as a sexual learning experience for young men in the town, mm. um, and everybody knows about it. Um, uh, there are uh, two. Uh, Two of the characters in the book, uh, uh, Jared and Leah, who are described as mulattoes, they're very light-skinned, they could pass as white, and in Leah's case, she looks, (laughs) physical appearance, exactly like one of the uh, cousins, one of the female cousins, from one of the families. Okay. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. Um and uh and and so those things are, are rather intriguing. And and that, that he 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 picked up on this, uh, I suspect from some kind of experience that he'd had within the community and possibly himself. I I just don't know. You know, the novel
2: as you talk about the tone of it, the novel that some may bring to mind as kind of a gone with the wind mm. sort of, I mean, is it, is, is, is it nostalgia here? Is it tell all? I mean, what, you know, what, what do you, what do you get the sense of the tone that Cooper's writing about, particularly these families?
0: For the, the Hill families, mm. the Starrows and the Haydens and the, uh, Thaxton's, uh, at least for some of the characters, there is this nostalgia for the old South. For the lost cause of the Confederacy, one of the characters, uh, Charles uh, Starro, is uh, he goes off to war, becomes back an officer. I I kind of think Charles maybe okay. In in fact, maybe Madison Cooper. In fact, uh, yeah, I did what all good historians do, and I wanted to find out more about Madison Cooper. I went to Wikipedia. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, Which you banned your students from yeah, using. Yeah, yeah. Just tell them don't use that stuff. <laughs> uh, but there were there were there were photos of Madison Cooper, and what struck me was my image of Charles Starrow that I had created in my mind over the course of this novel, looks very much like Madison. Oh Cooper. wow, well, interesting. In uh, terms of the way he dresses. Yeah, I mean Cooper had this kind of um well-known manner of kind of dressing down he wore a flannel shirt and khaki puttees and, mm-hmm. um and uh and that's you know when i saw it i said that's charles okay. and um, and i'll i'll get back to to you know charles later but within the black community mammy henderson is this very large dark-skinned African-American woman who could just as easily have played mammy and done yeah the that wind. stereotype that's yeah. right that's yeah. right and she is uh, she is full of of love for everybody and good humor and she takes care of everybody's kids uh, and she worries a lot about everybody, and she's a good God-fearing woman, and and uh, mm-hmm. she's Hattie McDaniel, and mm-hmm. you know, again, that image that you draw of these characters as you're reading, that's kind of where she stands. So that that kind of stereotypical role, but there's always, you know, within every stereotype, there is there's some kernel of truth and mm-hmm. and, and accuracy and. And portrayal and she, you know, she's very caring for the families that she takes. They are her families. Mm-hmm. And 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 she is in certain ways, as are all of the the house servants, they are still parts of those families. They yeah. are the Thaxton's mammy or the Hint, you know, um the various first names. Belong to a particular family, mm-hmm. and that's how they're identified very often,
2: but it does sound like Cooper gives them some agency in, in, the, in the they, work. they are
0: they are human beings mm-hmm. they they're, they're not I mean, I suppose you could say they're caricatures, but but there's a it runs the gamut of of uh, of characterizations. Mm-hmm. Jared is college educated. He goes off to chalcedonia. College, which is 20 miles, supposedly 20 miles north of Saronia. I don't know where that yeah, would put him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think uh, Chalcedonia College has been uh, endowed by uh, uh, Tom Bly, who is one of the other families, but he's kind of on the outs because his father was an overseer mm. on the Storrow plantation. Okay, And there is some discussion amongst the, uh, the Thaxton's and the Storrow's and the Hayden's that somehow uh, Tom Bly stole the plantation and the wealth away from their family. Mm. It's unclear mm. that he blackmailed them, which probably means that... <laughs> that Whichever patriarch of the, the family was, was involved in something that he shouldn't have been in and didn't want it known. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's old Tom Bly and then young Tom Bly, who is still living through most of the novel, uh, and he is fairly much detested within the town. But uh, he is uh, he is very forward-thinking in many ways. Okay, He's, he's more egalitarian. But he's a tough, Tough nut to crack and he creates all kinds of of concern for the the hill families I see and he lives on the big plant uh, it's not a plantation, a big mansion um, across the river, a serenga uh, and spends most of his time apparently having one affair after another with with various women.
2: Yeah, I read a uh, one of the reviews I've read and it was as you said it was widely reviewed Saronia was when it you know no mm-hmm. less than I read one in Time magazine and and one in the New York Times. One of the, one of the themes that comes out is promiscuity. There's a lot of promiscuity in the book. Yeah.
0: There is much nakedness, there is my it's not it's not um pornographic, it's not mm-hmm. erotic, but it you know. He he doesn't pull a lot of punches either.
2: Yeah, one one review said one criticism they had is kind of the casualty with which say sexual violence is described would be the same as describing other kind of more commonplace events in Saronia. Yeah.
0: It's fill well, I mean we know from mm. from the character, I mean it's filled with uh with rape at worst i guess mean. um the use of of one's uh power over uh other groups uh for sexual favors um there is a very clear depiction of the reservation mm-hmm. uh, the the legalized prostitution area and in fact it's on located on 2nd Street. Oh wow. <laughs> uh and the main house of uh, uh is at 222 2nd Street until it's burned to the ground. Is there
2: like a isn't there a Molly Adams sort of figure? There the are, way?
0: yeah, and and uh, it's a it's a uh, native Seronian who has run away uh from a working-class family we will say that. I don't think poor white trash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is poor white trash uh, (laughs) described in the novel. Um, But she comes back, uh, and it sets up uh, as the madam of this, this brothel.
2: Okay, yeah. So just referring to another, we did an episode on the reservation, which was the legal prostitution district in Waco that that ran from the 1880s up till World War one so you can go to that episode if you want more context for that yeah I mean you know if you start pulling at anchor points if you want to connect this to Waco mm-hmm. there there's a lot of little anchor points in there it's that, hard
0: to you know. miss <laughs> uh, as as he says uh, yeah and in, in, he's got an author's note he says the source of numerous incidents here will be recognized by friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he says all characters are fictional. Any similarity is coincidental. Yeah. Um, but he, he and he says Saronia is a composite of many Texas towns thirty to fifty years ago. Well, they don't didn't all have a reservation. Yeah. And then the the last line of that author's note author's note is. Nor is there anything here which can rightly cause anyone embarrassment or concern. I, I I would take issue with that. I think that probably there were a lot of uncomfortable Wake Owens. Yeah. If they read this book or found out, you know, what was in it.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know that I've seen any of them speaking publicly. Obviously, this would mm-hmm. be uh, among polite society. They would whisper around who, who was this yeah. and who was that. So, yeah.
0: Uh so um I I think um the reservation is is was real. Mm-hmm. Uh, um the woman who comes back and, and again names some I mean, of the names escape me, but
2: I'm i I'm amazed, Jim. You're you're not looking at notes here, you're remembering <laughs> these names. Yeah. She
0: she left town because of Jed Hayden who you know one of the big families the the young young man of one of the big families who who um, had one assignation after another you know he and they didn't have to be married uh, but they could be married, they could be married to to somebody else and and those husbands weren't going to do anything to Jed Hayden because he was the son of one of these families. Well, Jed Hayden was in love with this woman. I think her name was uh Lorraine Lane um and his family wasn't gonna let him have anything to do with Lorraine Lane. She leaves town and then comes back as as the madam of this brothel and she and Jed take up with one another once again mm-hmm. so and and to get back at her uh. Yeah, you know, some people in the town burned the place down with her in it.
2: Yeah. That was the other note is the violence. Yeah, that, lots that, of, yeah. well,
0: and, and that's not, that's the least. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, there is, uh, you know, again, talk about the uh, kind of authenticity of what Cooper's writing about. Uh, there is a lynching scene um, that is, in not all of its specifics, um the same as the Jesse Washington lynching in 1916 and the Jesse Thomas lynching in 1921 I think uh but it, you know it, it, it's not just a hanging it's a it's a mutilation it's a burning uh and it is it is done to um a young black seronian who has joined a vaudeville troupe and has become very successful and comes back to Saronia to be recognized for his his role in in promoting the city of Saronia and some of the local leaders of essentially it's a Ku Klux Klan group uh, set him up uh, to claim that he has slept with his white woman and and that proceeds kind of step by step to to this uh, this lynching scene, which is, is very powerfully written. Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's Benny Henderson. In Benny the, Henderson in the right. novel, and and it, you also get a little bit of Jules Bledsoe. Yeah, in in there exactly as, as, as far as a local local uh, artist that right. makes great. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, we were talking about violence. That, mm-hmm. I mean, there is spousal abuse. Uh, there is fairly easy uh, uh, physical aggression against wives who don't do exactly what their husbands tell them. And this, this is on both sides of the color line. Hmm. Uh,
2: I, I wanted to ask about, uh, I just thought about this, and just reading a work of this length. You've read a lot of writing in your time. What is the experience of reading something this long? And, I mean, is there a. Man, maybe how that works for him or how it works against him to just have something this
0: long? It's hard to keep up with things. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what is wonderful about the book is that in the inside front cover, there's a map of Saronia, which. With some imagination you you could say, all right, that's that's Waco. Mhm. I mean it's not exactly right. And it, uh what's interesting is is uh the neighborhoods where virtually all of the African Americans live is on the same side of the river, uh in close into town, uh as as the white families. Um so there's no discernible East Waco or, or West Waco, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, the map is helpful. Mm-hmm. It it shows you where the the the, the three major families live. Um, it shows you that the Lipscomb's first home was right adjacent to the black neighborhood. And so this is before mm-hmm. Marshall Lipscomb, the father, has really turned his department store in, into a going concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are the the you know there are the sections on the other side of the river where you have probably I would say Eastern European immigrants. Um, I forget the name but it's a you know almost I think it's probably Polish or Czech. Um they're poor white trash. And uh, and if if uh, some of the young men of Saronia uh need to um uh, uh, have the birds and the bees uh played out for them, they go across the river to one or two of these young women, I see, or they they go to one of the black servants well mm-hmm. yeah.
2: yeah. uh there's also uh, I saw a family tree uh that's also in that's the, the other great thing. yeah yeah,
0: but it's it's almost as complicated as the novel i mean and and it doesn't show you everything now uh-huh. the, the 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 genealogy is interesting uh one of the things I you may have noticed this too and and Maybe there's an explanation for it. I'm not sure. Um, it it describes that you know the kind of the f- founding family you know, uh, was Alpheus Reardon, who married a woman named Restraint Calvin. <laughs> restraint Calvin, and then in parentheses it says that Restraint Calvin was a religious extremist. <laughs> so you wonder about the wor- name Restraint uh but but this is a genealogy allegedly uh uh drawn by cornelia uh hayden Neelia nelia Hayden uh with the assistance of Millicent Thaxton Millie Thaxton is her aunt and the grand dame of of the uh well Thaxton starro <laughs> her <laughs> she, she she's she's her mother, I think, was M. Saronia Reardon Starro. And then she's a Thaxton, so she's a Starro Thaxton. So there are characters in here that are described as uh I think it's uh, uh one of the other aunts is uh Carrietta Storo Starro. Starro <laughs> <laughs> Thaxton. <laughs> you know. He probably ran out of ideas. So, so in reading you know, to get to the, your point in reading I, I would have to reread the book mm. to, you know, or or take very careful notes, and just jot down every name and something about them. There are, I don't know if there are a hundred characters in it. There, mm. there may be more, uh, and almost all of them play some vital, vital role in all of this. So, in reading it, you, you get to the end and and. You know, every time you see a new name, you say, okay, well, let me remember who that was uh and where did that show up? And do I want to go back seventy-five pages to to figure this out? And and my general answer was no, I don't.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dude, <laughs> we're glad we got here, but we don't want to go right, back. That's no. right. No. <laughs> um well I, I know why you started reading it. Why did you continue reading it? <laughs>
0: Uh, Hard headed because because I've <laughs> I've
2: met a lot of people that have said I, I really want to read Saronia. but I've met very few that have.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I hate not to finish things when I start reading. I, I I I need. I said, you know, this was almost a mission for me. You know, I, I I'm going to start it, and by God, you know, once you get into a certain number of pages, you you say, well, I got to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad I did because the second volume is, is much better. I mean, the, mm. uh, you know, it's, there's all sorts of surprising things. And while you're working through this, you're saying, all right, is this character maybe responsible for something over here? And so you've kind of got, it's like a detective novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had some things all figured out that I was wrong ab- about uh, at the end in terms of who kills whom and, and, uh, uh, who was responsible for this, or who wasn't responsible for it? Mm. Um, but um, the the other th- the other thing I'll tell you about Charles. Yeah, I was going to ask in, in, yeah. you know, uh, And I don't know this for a fact, you know, and I don't want to cast aspersions or, or, or make you know any fa- false or misleading statements uh, uh, purposely. Um,
2: so if you're if one of the Coopers is listening, if funny.
0: the Coopers or uh, <laughs> or the family of the the woman I'm going to mention, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't know, but there was a uh, longtime Cooper family servant by the name of Bertha Lee Walton, and Bertha Lee Walton, who's African American, uh, lived in the home with Madison Cooper. I think, for most of his adulthood, was living there in the house, I took care of him uh, up until the day he died. She had received instructions, explicit instructions from Madison Cooper to destroy every piece of notes, evidence you know, the book's already published, but all of his notes to destroy them at the time of his death which she did, uh, to destroy all uh, all of the other writings that he had around him up in that attic, which she did. And she received a fairly significant uh, bequest under, uh, from the estate to uh, keep her going till, till her death. Mm. Bertha Lee Walton. In the novel, Charles has the same, well, not the. I'm not going to say the same relationship, but there is a uh, this young, very light skinned can pass for white, uh, servant named Leah, L E A H. Okay. I don't know, you know, it's close. Charles ends up getting elected to office. He becomes a congressman. He goes to Washington. Leah goes with him. They, they uh, before he's elected, they are living in one of the, the big houses on a hill, uh, just the two of them. And Cooper, as he describes their relationship, uh, it is a relationship uh, in which they are, they are sleeping together. Mm-hmm. The, they are not married, uh, but he has no other women in his life. Um, There's another interesting character, Uh, Aunt Millie's son, Lancelot, (laughs) And, and Lancelot, I think it is fair to say, is a victim of what is described in the novel as the Reardon's Curse. And the Reardon's curse is that in these three main families, everybody marries everybody else. It's cousins marrying cousins, mm-hmm. first cousins marrying first cousins. You know, second and third cousins. It, if if <laughs> there's no first cousin around, you know it seems. Well, Lance. Um, unfortunately uh, appears as mentally challenged one assumes and it is described in the book he he was the victim of reardon's curse Mm. two first cousins married Mm -hmm. um i'm going to read a passage
2: oh please do how how many pages long is it? it's short okay ish (laughs)
0: But it's apropos what we're talking about. Great. All Thaxton men were handsome, tall, and courtly. And understandably, if unfortunately, the Thaxton women usually looked like the Thaxton men with dresses on. Impressive, even regal, they could never have been considered beautiful, except, of course, Miss Millie. Born of another Hill family, first cousin marriage, she just didn't look like any Thaxton anybody'd ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> now, I I think that um, people who are knowledgeable of, of Waco history mm-hmm. know that there are families in which Members of this family married this family, this and you know Yeah. It's the same names that pop up.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's what clearly what,
2: yeah, what Cooper's what, yeah, what first talking about.
0: <laughs> they all look alike because they're all the same family. Yeah. You know, different different name. Interesting. And uh and and Millicent Letitia Thaxton. Thaxton. <laughs> Aunt Millie uh-huh. uh, is, is this grand dame who hosts soirees I think the first of every November. And she controls everything that happens in those gatherings. There's a receiving line. Uh, she has everyone lined up as to you know whose hands they will shake when. Uh, her son is Lancelot. Okay. And she is convinced that she needs to make sure that Lancelot is is protected from all of these women who want to marry him. Now, what Lancelot is foremost interested in is fishing and mowing lawns. I mean, through the... the both volumes, when you see Lance, he's going fishing or he's mowing a lawn. There seems to be no interest in any of the women who are potential wives for him. Now, by the end of the novel, Miss Millie has finally given up this notion of getting Lance married. And the, the, the reason is he gets so frustrated with her um, and angry that he rushes off one night and when he returns home, he bringing with him our, one of the servants, Josie, who is described as almost six feet tall and very dark-skinned and two young children, one 10 years old, one, I don't know, five, six, who look just like Charles. Uh, Uh, I'm sorry, who look just like 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 Lance. Lance Lance is not interested at all in any of the young white women Mm -hmm. who are aspiring to, to marry into the Thaxton family because he has his family, and at that point, Millie just, you know, she gives up and starts worrying about getting Charles married.
2: Yeah, I looked because that, that is the last line of the
0: novel. The last line is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is. yeah. You want to read it for us? Well, let yeah. me set it up. Okay, if sure. You, if you don't mind. Yeah.
0: So, so I, I just said a little bit of, about Lance. Yeah. At the end of the novel, Aunt Millie dies and uh, she has made her. Uh, it has distributed her resources through her will, but there are a number of of items that are particularly uh, special to her, uh, pieces of jewelry and one thing or and another that she has uh, explained to the, the attorney. They are to be laid out uh, in Paxton Hall, um, and the people who are particularly close to her will be allowed to come in after her funeral, and select one item to keep. And she, she's even designated, she's, she's uh, given a rank order of who starts first and who in, who's last in line. You know, Well, Lance is first. He's her only child, her son. So Lance is brought in. His cousin, Nelia, Cornelia, uh, has schooled him, has has because there's one particular piece that has some value to it, and she has decided this is what Lance needs. That this is the piece that Aunt Millie wants him to have, and so she's she they've gone over this. He's seen every piece that's laid out, and and she she says okay, and she, and she comes in uh, as they're getting ready to do this, and and she tells someone she okay, I've got him all. He's he's all prepped. They take him in, and he looks at everything around, and and, Neil, and he's, he's just looking around and not doing anything. And Nelia says, I can read it if you want
2: me to read it. Can okay. Read it, yeah, from the novel. Yeah. Uh, now, Cousin Lance, Nelia was trying to will him to repeat the words that had been practiced. Is this what you want? She lifted the sunburst. When we were talking this afternoon, remember, and I told you you could have anything you wanted. Oh, anything? I'll take the lawnmower, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I closed the book happily, but I was in in fact laughing very hard. <laughs> that, it, it, that is a priceless last <laughs> last
2: sentence. Um you know, I, as you reflect and and being a historian, you know everything has a thesis. So I mean what what is what is the thesis here? I mean what 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 do you think ultimately if Cooper's trying to say something? Obviously he's he's trying to entertain, but he's trying to say something as well.
0: Well, I I think there is a send-up of of the former families of great wealth. Mm-hmm. They are all f- deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean say so we're all deeply flawed. But uh he goes out of his way and in in taking particular heat from his pen um are the 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 women, the the matronly women who want to maintain this notion that they are the important families. Mm-hmm. Uh in truth, Aunt Millie, for example um Marshall Lipscomb, the department store owner, mm-hmm. was deeply in love from an early age with with Millicent. Wanted to marry her. Her family would not allow that marriage to take place. You know this this class mm-hmm. classism and you know who the right people are. Yeah, that's who. And, and so she ends up marrying Calvin Thaxton, who. Very good to her, but he runs around all the time on, you know, behind her. Well, not behind her, but she knows it's happening. Uh, but she also, you know, loves him. It's uh, but but she always uh one of the pieces of jewelry she always has around her neck is something that that uh Marshall gave her long ago. Mm-hmm. And every time there's a problem, she calls for Marshall to come come talk to her. Help her out of it. Well, Tam Lipscomb, Marshall's son, has the same problem with Cornelia Hayden. Uh, Cornelia's parents are dead, but her brother Jed, who's about 18 years older, will absolutely not let her think even remotely of, of getting involved with Tam Lipscomb. Mm. He is beneath. Yeah us. Uh, It's pretty clear that she loves him. He's deeply in love with her. Um, About the middle of the second volume, Aunt Millie puts into place this uh, ruse that Charles is going to marry somebody in particular. Uh, and then they turn it around, and it ends up with Tam marrying Bessie Hicks, one of the other cousins, mm. and because Charles doesn't want to marry anybody, he's busy writing his lost cause Confederate history, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, Tam marries Bessie. He does it really for the good of the Hill families, but he remains deeply in love with with uh, with Nelia. And near the end of the book, uh, she is uh, he, She's assaulted by um, the son of a local judge, and uh, is killed, actually, mm. by Jared. <laughs> you know, you, you got to know who's on first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jared, the very light skinned uh, black boy who 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 was a boyhood friend and. And continues to be a friend with Tam Lipscomb, uh of course, you know the stereotype you know, at the age of twelve, thirteen the the black and white kids get separated. they don't play with anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. This is true with with the the girls as well as the boys mm-hmm. uh Jared, after Benny Henderson is lynched he is he has come back to Saronia. He is dedicated to Saronia. he wants to stay in Saronia. Um, that sets him off, and he starts uh, assaulting women. uh he starts uh, attacking people, unbeknownst he's got a mask on when he does it. but he ends up saving Nelia's life uh at the hands of Splice Rogan by hitting him over the head with a piece of concrete. Oh my gosh. and yeah. kills him mm. And then it gets blamed on. This other black character uh named Booger Jackson, who is is a ne'er do well. There's not, there's not a decent bone in his body. Jared's already killed him. I'm probably telling too much for all the people who are gonna read this <laughs> read this novel. Now. Come on, they had you know, they had and, 70 and, years. And then Jared and and then Jared uh commits suicide mm. so that people will think that it was Booger Jackson. Who killed Splice Rogan?
2: Yeah. So when the Time Review says uh, uh, the flood, which of course uh, would be, you know, n- not that uncommon in Waco, several murders and suicides, and a castration party, mm-hmm. um, whorehouse burns down, uh, of course the lynching, um, and so just just all the things that that uh, pop up. They're wild. Uh, throughout the book, so
0: yeah, can I say something about the castration? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, it it it's the uh, the woman who comes back as the madam of the brothel, mm-hmm. uh, Lorraine Lane comes back, and she has with her this this very large bodyguard, basically mm-hmm. named Bludgeon. <laughs> and and Bludgeon has been with her. She got into the Prostitution business in Louisiana, and built up a reputation there, uh, and that's where the two of them met. Uh, in I think it's in protecting her or something, he was uh, grabbed by a, a mob of guys and castrated. Very good looking guy. He's always with her. Well, they go out to the cult to uh, California, to Hollywood, and he becomes. Changes his name to Con O'Cliff, and becomes a major silent screen movie star. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But every woman who sees him says, "Oh, you know, there's this big hunk of a guy," mm-hmm. and they don't know, yeah. you know, the backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you've got some motion picture stuff. And yeah, you got, you know, tech, technological innovation, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that ties in kind of, you know, with the Benny Henderson stuff on the, you know, mm-hmm. the transition from the vaudeville stage to the the movie screen
2: the, uh, you know the characterization of you know Cooper, as you kind of read this and try to get inside of his head. I read one interview in The New York Times that was done with him that kind of depicted him as a Jekyll and Hyde kind of character mm-hmm. that he was kind of laboring away during the day at the grocery store as being a bit mild-mannered and then ascending the stairs at night. <laughs> and, and and working on this kind of tell-all sort of, but because his, his family wasn't old money in Waco. I mean, they were fairly new money in Waco. And so the vitriol that you're talking about, what it's pointed at, would have been the old money right. sort of matriarchs right. and patriarchs mm-hmm. in Waco. So what, what is the feeling you get of, you, you didn't know Madison Cooper, but how do you get to know him in this book as far as getting a sense of the author?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I, I think my answer is it depends on who you figure out Madison Cooper is. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I as I said, I I, I my suspicion is he's more of the Charles Storrow character, mm-hmm. and yet Charles Storrow goes off to Washington D.C. Well, Madison Cooper didn't do, any, but he but. Charles is very reluctant to get involved in politics. The only reason he gets involved is because Judge Rogan, who wants the the seat as the congressman, has the backing of the Klan, and Charles has, you know, some sensibility that that's not a good thing for the the town of mm-hmm. Um And um, you know, Charles through through a good part, of, certainly the first volume uh is kind of nondescript. You know he he's he keeps to himself. Uh he's not interested in a lot of the things that the other people are doing. Um and then he becomes more active civically involved mm-hmm. um, and uh and and makes a name for himself. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's Madison Cooper. I just don't, I don't know enough about him. It seems to me that he, he's leading a fairly secretive life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I read some, some blurbs that said, you know, nobody even knew he was up in that attic writing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: any of that, but, must have been thousands and thousands of pages. Eight hundred and forty
2: thousand words <laughs> is is the. I, I is, can't contemplate. <laughs> it's that. hard to wrap your mind around. It. Uh, this is uh, I pulled this from from one review. Uh, this is from nineteen fifty two. One of the newest novelists to arrive on the Texas landscape is Madison Cooper of Waco, and he has come in like an oil well and come in big. <laughs> Novelist Cooper is crude, all right, and he is such a wasteful gusher that it seems scarcely worth while capping the flow between the covers of a book but he spews out so much of the rich stuff that he's very likely to flood the US book market in the weeks before Christmas if he doesn't scare most of the customers on the high ground <laughs> but but you get you get the in the reviews you read of it you get this a, a bit of bafflement just um i mean it, it seems a little obsessive i mean to to write uh, you know a work of this length as if there's not a model he's using i mean it I mean, it is reminiscent of some of these old south sort of books
0: that had been written but but i guess he, you know he, he had something to get off his chest um and you know i think it's true of all novels i mean they they create characters but you know often they <laughs> Often the characters they create are part of them, or or their people they know. Yeah, they they, they don't fabricate these things just or create them just out of thin air. Um, and, and so it, it's interesting in retrospect to think, well, you know, what was what was his relationship with the city of Waco? Mm-hmm. Um. You know how how did he feel about his place in that community? Was was he well received? Mm-hmm. Was he uh, apart from from even though coming from, you know, a solid family, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But but clearly he he had something to say, <laughs> and he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to limit it to. You know, a four or five hundred page novel, which I'm not a I'm not a literary critic, but I think you would have been better off doing that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I told uh, Mike Hamilton, our producer, that we need to do an audio version uh, of this book, <laughs> which it does not exist. Are, are there are there some other passages that that are kind of your favorites. You know, I they?
0: started I started to go back through and and I found that one about, you know, the men looking like the women. Yeah. And then the the Lance the Lance line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um uh, so there there probably are there are these there are these two or three words. I mean he, he does some of the same thing that Sinclair Lewis does. Mm-hmm. I mean if you if you've read mm-hmm. uh uh Lewis's Main Street, or or Babbitt, or Aerosmith, mm-hmm. or or any of them, he he will have one of the characters say something, and then, kind of as an aside, or as a an observation of what has just been said, the the author then tells the truth, <laughs> and it has no it has no connection with what that character has just said, you yeah. know. So it is, it is, uh, all right, here is their version of it, here is mine. So, you know, uh, Aunt Millie, Aunt Cousin Carietta, uh, you know, uh, virtually every character, you know, finds himself at some place in this novel where they have made some declarative statement, and Cooper comes in behind them and 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 in just a, a phrase or two is it just says don't believe anything that they're saying there <laughs> uh, so that that that
2: lends a question i mean is is the author the main i mean you know who's the main character in Surround?
0: i think the main character is tam mm-hmm. um and and you know tam's interesting he, he's in many ways he's not all that interesting a character certainly in the in the first Volume the first two parts, um, it, because virtually all of that time is him spent trying to lose his virginity, and uh, and he takes a try, lot of he lot tries, of pages. He tries hard, and you know, and and you got to uh, you know, I mean, he's got lots of options. There's there's the the the, the there's two street and and there there these white women there these black women and you know and and so and he he's not described as any you know any great attraction physically you know he's kind of heavy uh but he's just a good guy <laughs> you know and he does he'll do what people ask him to do uh usually for the better um after uh, his father dies aunt millie starts calling on tam every again he replaces his father in that regard and he does a great job building up the department store business um and uh, <laughs> what well, we didn't talk about it by the end of the novel there is a fourth hill in waco it's called uh, lipscomb hill and lipscomb hill has been created as i recall out of the silt that's been dredged out of the river, and so it it's you know it's not a real hill, yeah, it's not you know,
2: but it's it's symbolic
0: and it's literal. this hill yeah, yeah. yeah, because the Lipscombs are doing very well, um, all the other families have kind of died out or they just kind of you know drifted away and and he's still standing mm-hmm. um,
2: and that's why a lot of people have. Have connected Tam, despite your thesis and evidence, mm-hmm. they've connected mm-hmm. Tam to the character, Mass yeah. Madison and Cooper,
0: yeah. maybe you know. I mean, Cooper House is kind of on a hill, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's a little farther away from the river than, You know, All these places are fairly close in, uh, if you look at the map. It's,
2: it's you know, the 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 symbolism of the new hill is he th- is he that subtle in kind of his uh, use of literary devices as far as I, metaphor and I, things like I, that. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Uh,
0: I I think I think it's. You know, I want to believe that you know the Lipscomb's have come you know and they're kind of in charge now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To, There's to, nobody else really to to carry the community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I I doubt that Cooper saw himself. That way.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That that would be uh, an interesting. You know, a lot of has. the
0: reluctance that Charles Storrow shows, mm-hmm. particularly when he, they're trying to get him to run for office against Judge Rogan, um, that reticence, that that reluctance, seems maybe more like Cooper. But but mm-hmm. I I don't know that I I have no. Uh, that's just a guess on my part.
2: Well I'm going to force you to draw some conclusions uh here. Um so we because there's a there's an audience out there that's that's trying to decide if they want to take the deep dive or not. So ultimately you got to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down uh to Saronia, Texas as a read. Wow. What are you what are you going to do, Jim?
0: Well you got to commit yourself. <laughs> Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't generally, I would not say you ought to take, um, seven or eight months to read a novel. (laughs) Uh. It it would be nice if you know, and, and maybe they exist. Maybe someone in the English department at Baylor would would take on this as a dissertation <laughs> subject, and yeah. and try to track it down. And and I, I think there probably have been some efforts to try to figure out who's who and all these. But we've moved by you know by twenty twenty two. We've moved along. That's a hundred years away from where this novel is. Yeah. So the so getting at the characters or getting at people who who knew these characters is a little is a little more difficult yeah, i think it was um,
2: destroyed in those notes there, and there fading are, memories yeah, yeah there
0: are certainly uh episodes in the book that uh bear more than a striking resemblance to things that, that happened in the city's past um there may be an easier way to get it <laughs> um but if you've got, you know, and and I'm a slow reader, so so if you've got three or four months on your hand, you know, give it a, give a try. It a shot. You could always stop after the the first volume, <laughs> but but the best stuff's in the second. So,
2: <laughs> well, uh, we've all benefited today from you's, you's, you. Uh... Soldiering your way through it, so <laughs> so thank you, Doctor Sorrell, for for coming share with us about the at, at
0: the very least, I can say, I, yeah, I soldiered on. I, <laughs> I, I made it through, and uh, I yeah. I can't always say that about things I've done in my life. Yeah, why, why do people climb the mountain? <laughs> it's there. it's <laughs> there, and and so what do I do with these books now? You know, the, yeah, I'm trying to clear off my shelves. So, uh, the friends of the library sale may, may see. Uh, a couple of volumes of surrounding. Oh, you send them my way, do no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the okay. friends a library.
2: Okay. Well, thanks, Jim. You bet. Enjoy oh, this
1: tall. Right
0: thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com. And more info on Waco's past at waco Our theme music used with permission is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
2: This has been a Rogue Media podcast.